Welcome to Igris Moshe A to Z. I'm Rabbi Dov Linzer, Rosh HaYeshiva of Yeshivat Chovei Torah Rabbinical School. This series, we're looking at the letter N for non-Jew, or the Hebrew actually is Nochri. Um, and we have seen already a number of Tuvot of Rav Moshe Feinstein dealing with non-Jews um, way at the beginning, some Tuvot relating to America, um, recently the question about saving the life of a non-Jew. But in the next three episodes, we're going to be focusing on specific issues of interacting with non-Jews and with the largest, larger non-Jewish society. And the first one, the one we're going to be looking at today, is a tshuva relating to school prayer um, and prayer in the public schools. Now, this tshuva is dated January 1st, 1963. It's in Orchayim 225, and the Hebrew date is Hei Tevei Tavshin Chavkimo, which is January 1st, 1963. And the date 1963 is significant because in 1962, the Supreme Court decided in the case Engel versus Vitel that school prayer was actually not allowed in public schools, and it was a violation of the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment, that the government cannot do anything to establish a religion. Now, the uh, legislation, the event that had prompted this case being brought to the Supreme Court was that the New York, the state of New York had approved legislation which had students stay at the beginning of their day together with the pre- Pledge of Allegiance. And this does not even require it, but it just recommended that they would say the following prayer. Almighty God, we acknowledge our dependence upon thee and we beg thy blessings upon us, our parents, our teachers and our country. Amen. And this is a pretty generic prayer, but it does recognize God. And this was contested because this was seen to establish religion and establish belief in God. And the Supreme Court decided that actually it was a violation of the Establishment Clause and that in the public schools, school prayer could not be even recommended, let alone required. So with that in mind, we're going to look at Rav Moshe's tshuva from a few months later. And it should be also noted that even though it had been deemed to be unconstitutional, uh, there were many, many attempts to uh, to amend the Constitution to actually make this uh, constitutional. Um, all those attempts ultimately failed. There was no amendment to the Constitution, and school prayer is still not allowed in the public schools. Um, but that was what was going on in the immediate aftermath. So it was not a decided issue yet. Um, and there was a whole response from many, many religious communities and from segments of the Jewish community. Although the more liberal aspects of the Jewish community very much supported this decision and believed that by a full separation of church and state, ultimately that would be to the benefit of Jews, that it was not to the benefit of Jews bringing religion into the public space in any way. Um, There were definitely those from the religious camp that strongly opposed it. So with that in mind, let's take a look at Rav Moshe's tshuva. And it's framed in a very interesting way. Let's note the way it's framed. Regarding the question of whether there is a mitzvah for a Noahide, for a non-Jew, to pray. Um, and no, he does not say it's a question about what we should do about public school prayer. How about all the Jews that are going to public school? Let's frame this in terms of the non-Jews. Is there a mitzvah for non-Jews to pray? So he says as follows. So regarding a Noahide, non-Jew, is he obligated in tefillah, in prayer? So he's, it's obvious he's not obligated because we believe in seven Noahide, that there are seven Noahide mitzvot, seven obligations and mitzvot that apply to all, all humanity, that apply to non-Jews, and prayer is not one of them. Okay, so maybe it should end there. But Rav Moshe says, no, wait, that's only talking about obligation. Let's ask, not is he obligated, but is there a mitzvah? Is it a positive religious act 
when he actually prays to God. Near Eshiyeshlo, it says, it would seem that, that there certainly is. Kimafurish Pekra, it's actually an explicit verse in Isaiah. Kibeti beit filayi kare lakol hamin. My house will be called a house of prayer to all people. And he says, that Rashi says that it's not only for Jews, it's for all people. The Im Cain says, Rav Moshe, it's almost explicit in this verse, even though there's no obligation for them to pray, when they do pray to God, they're actually doing a mitzvah. So there is a positive religious value in non-Jews praying to God, even though it is not obligated. And now Rav Moshe goes on to say, okay, how does this fit in into our, how does this fit in into our sort of halachic framework? And he says, He says, like any other mitzvah that you're not obligated in, this is a idea that's usually uh, employed in the context of women. If a woman takes a lulav, did she just is it like waving a stick? Or do we because she's not obligated? And we say no. It is a do it is a mitzvah. She's not obligated. She opted to do a mitzvah she wasn't obligated in. And you are and that gets reward, heavenly reward, even though it is not an obligation. And Rav Moshe says the same would be true about non-Jews. Now that's looking at it from a very halachic perspective. They're not obligated. If to use sort of classic language, it's a kiyum mitzvah, not a chiyuv mitzvah. They're fulfilling the mitzvah, they're not obligated in the mitzvah. And that's that's one perspective. But then Rav Moshe takes this the next to the next stage. And he says the following. He says, It seems to me that this question, that they're not obligated, but they're still fulfilling the myth, a mitzvah, they're doing a positive religious act, that's only when we're talking about you have a daily obligation to pray. Is there a fixed obligation? Whatever, maybe not daily, but is there a fixed obligation to pray? And the answer is no. A non-Jew has no fixed obligation to pray. Jews do, a non-Jew does not. Aval, says Rav Moshe, but somebody who prays when they, they have a need to turn to God, then something is happening in their lives and they're turning to God for help. That he has a sick person, you know, of the family member or he lacks a job. He's turning to God for help. Then says Rav Moshe, then even though Non-Jews were not commanded in prayer. It's an obligation for every human being to pray to God when they are in a situation of distress. Why is this? Where does this obligation come from? So he says like this. He says, Because ultimately, the obligation here is not an obligation to pray. This is fundamental to what it means to have a relationship to God and to have belief in God. Not belief that God exists, but belief in God. Your relationship to God, that you believe that God is there for you. And what else can express the, that belief if not that you turn to God at a time of need? And if you don't turn to God at a time of need, what does that say about that, relation, about that relationship? That ultimately, whether I have a, make a living or not, is in God's hands. And whether my, the sick get healed, yes, the doctor does an enormous amount, but ultimately it's in God's hands. But if he does not have trust in God, he chooses somebody chooses not to pray at these moments. It's like he doesn't believe in God. Again, maybe he believes in God as an abstract philosophical position, but he does not believe in God in terms of his relationship with God that's not a part of his life. And belief in God, even though that's not counted in the seven mitzvahs b'nei noach, of course, 
non-Jews have to believe in God as well. We could first say that Bnei Noach are not allowed to worship idols. So the flip side of that would be they have to believe in God. And Rav Moshe says also the concept of mitzvah assumes that sense that God commanded them and takes it for granted that if we have seven mitzvos, divine mitzvos for non-Jews, underlying that obviously is a sense of belief in God. And therefore he says um, that this idea that we have to pray when we are at a time of need is something that we are obligated in, even if there is no technical obligation. Our relationship and our belief in God is what obligates us to pray, for, because not praying would be an implicit rejection and saying God doesn't matter in our lives in these types of times. So once that's true, says Rav Moshe, to pray at a fixed manner, Non-Jews are not obligated, but they would actually be doing some positive religious act. They'd be doing a mitzvah. To pray at times of need, that's an expression, a fundamental expression of faith, and every person in the world, every person, every human being is obligated. He goes on to say that this is de- that there actually is a debate of Rambam and Ramban, Maimonides, Nachmanides, whether there's an obligation to pray. But even Nachmanides, who says there's not an obligation, it makes exactly this point: that there's not an obligation to pray on a daily basis, but there is an obligation to turn to God in a time of need. So we've established that for non-Jews, the pos- the idea of prayer is a positive phenomenon, um, a positive religious mitzvah, and that actually to pray to God when there's a time of need is, act- is an obligation on all people. Now, now he turns himself, after laying that groundwork, that this is a positive phenomenon, to the specific text that is being recited. And it's very clear here that he's referring to this issue of school prayer and the text that was rec- that was recommended by the New York uh, State. And he says the following: Can Jews and non-Jews pray uh, the same text and pray together, Jews and non-Jews? Is that a problem? Because if this person is a different religion than I am, and I'm praying with him, and we're both speak praying to God, maybe we have different concepts of God. Maybe somehow there's some sense that that's compromising what my prayer means from within my religious context. So if Moshe says the following, and he says, for a Jew and non-Jew to pray together in a text, Kigon, for example, may be the will before God, she'll give me life and blessing. Now, if uh, you remember what we quoted earlier, that is essentially a distillation of the prayer recommended by the by New York State. Almighty God, we acknowledge our dependence upon thee. By the way, note our dependence upon thee is exactly Rav Moshe's point about fundamental sense of relationship with God and beg thy blessings upon us. So Rav Moshe says, is that a text that's permitted for a Jew and a non-Jew to, pr- to pray together? And here's what he says. It's possible the non-Jew is having, you know, his God in mind and his belief in mind. And the Jew is having the context of his belief and the way he perceives of God in mind. Um, so he says the following. If this was something that was developed by non-Jews, but not by the church, any robe is that Easter. I see no problem with this, no prohibition against this. Okay, everybody has a different thought in mind, but you have your thoughts in mind. They're acceptable thoughts. You don't have to worry about some, what somebody else is thinking. There's no problem having this prayer together. But Rav Moshe says, Maybe people will think you're praying with non-Jews. You're praying to the Christian to the Christian concept of God, not to the Jewish concept of God. But Rav Moshe says, "Any roish, my time at Yom Rizai, There's no basis anybody would make such a claim. That is not something to be worried about." 
But he does say, if it is a text that has been devised by the church, by, by priests, so he says, even though if you look at the text, it seems completely clean, completely absent, any particular Christian, you know, elements, he says, Ainly Israel Omro Afbatsmo, a Jew should not say it even by himself, even without a non-Jew. Why? If it's composed by the church or by priest, then this is a Christian prayer because of its origins, regardless of the text itself. Okay, and so that's Rav Moshe's position. Um, he does say that you can take that text and add a Hebrew way to make it a Jewish text. You could say, like, the words, like, Ribono Shalom, and then say this, this text. But if it's all coming from the church, even if it's a neutral language, ultimately it's seen as a Christian prayer because of its origins. So what do we have so far? That Rav Moshe has said it's a mitzvah for non-Jews to pray, for Jews and non-Jews to pray the same prayer, the text of the school prayer, since that was not made by the church, that would completely be acceptable to say it together, Jews and non-Jews together. So now Rav Moshe start, begins to wrap this up and says the following. He says, when it comes to actually, he now explicitly addresses the issue of school prayer and says, when it comes to this issue of school prayer, Rav Moshe says, it seems clear that they are intentionally making this generic so that it really should be uh, able to be said by anybody or anybody who believes in God. Um, and, he, and then once again, he, he expresses his gratitude for America that really embraces this freedom of religion and treating all of its citizens equally. And he says um, that since the schools are for Jews and for Christians and for people of other faiths, And the, we have the leaders of our country are people of kindness. And they don't want to force their faith on others. I mean, it's not just kindness, it's the Constitution, but these are the principles on which this is based. So therefore, Rav Moshe says, clearly this is not made from a Christian prayer, this is a generic prayer, and there's absolutely no problem of saying this. Um, now, how about another problem? If I'm here, a Jewish kid, and I'm going to say, Almighty God, is there a problem of saying God without wearing a kippah? Because Jews, uh, you know, religious Jews who were going to public school would not wear a kippah in public school. Shemosh says that's not a problem either. Well, to say God. So he says, without a kippah. That's also not a real problem. Okay? And therefore he says, it's, you certainly should not be strict about saying God with an uncovered head when there's no alternative. Because, and that's the case for kids in the schools. So it's totally fine for, for Jewish kids to say it. It's a value for non-Jewish kids to say, to say it. Okay, that's saying a, uh, a prayer out loud. But how about the possibility of silent prayer, right? Maybe we should say, you know what? Okay, the Supreme Court outlawed saying pray, saying the school prayer. Maybe silent prayer is just as good. Um, maybe we shouldn't sort of get all worked up about the fact that you can't say the prayer out loud. A moment of silent maybe is just as good. So here Rav Moshe says, surprisingly, no. If you were to pray silently, you would not fulfill your obligation. A non-Jew that it's considered a valuable thing that they actually um, pray. Uh, it's a mitzvah, even though not an obligation. If you only do it in your mind, he says, by a Jew, you're not fulfilling your obligation of prayer. So he says, Since you're not doing the mitzvah properly, there will be no reward for a non-Jew. Now we should just stop and point out that this is a pretty far-fetched conclusion. Um, there's formal requirements for Jewish prayer, and saying it out loud might be one of them. 
for non-Jews, uh, there's no, you know, they don't have the same text we do. They don't have the same three times a day. So if Rav Moshe is saying that there's a way to fulfill it not being obligated, why does it have to be done in exactly the same form? But even more to the point is that Rav Moshe said that the power of a non-Jew praying when there's a need would act, it actually has to do not with prayer per se, but with faith in God. So even if this is true that saying it silently wouldn't be meaningful as a regular thing, it certainly would be meaningful at a time of need. But nevertheless, Rav Moshe is saying to do it as a regular substitute for verbalized prayer, he's making the claim that that would not be a value even for a non-Jew. And this seems to be directed at saying we really have to value the verbalized prayer in the public schools. That's a positive thing for non-Jews. It's okay for Jews to participate. And we should not be happy with the choice of silent prayer. Now, all of this seems to be leading up to saying that we should therefore go ahead and advocate um, very actively for a constitutional amendment to allow school prayer to take place. But right at when it gets to the end, Rav Moshe actually says, no, that is actually not my position. And he says, We should not have silent prayer for the reasons he said. Um, and then he says like this, um, That's what I've now laid out is the halachic issues, the value of a non-Jew praying. It's only verbalized, not non-verbalized. It's okay for a Jew to pray along in this neutral text. But then he says, But to get involved politically with other members of the, you know, with other citizens, not Jewish, non-Jewish, to fight this fight of a constitutional amendment, whether it should be said or shouldn't be said in the schools, my advice would be that from Jews should not get involved in this fight. Why not? Some say you're obligated to get involved. And to say in the public square and politically push that it's our understanding that this prayer should be said. He says, my opinion is don't get involved. You can argue either way about whether we should be fighting this fight. I would prefer not to have this type of political involvement. So it's a curious chuva because um, he does not start by focusing on why it's important for Jews to say it, which is where you might think there are plenty of Jews going to the public schools, and um, here's why Jews should be saying it, and here's why we should care about it. So one thing to note is he really just focuses on the value for non-Jews. And the other thing is that he does not draw the conclusion that therefore it is something that we should be fighting for, which leads you to wonder why he wrote the tshuva at all if we're not, if, if it has no real relevance. Um, so it's interesting in terms of, in terms of those issues to contrast this to the approach of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Cause you'll note that Rav Moshe said at the end that there are those who say you should be fighting this fight in the public sphere. And he was undoubtedly referring to the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Lubavitcher Rebbe also after this, uh, Supreme Court decision in November 21st, 1962, which is, uh, two months or so before Rav Moshe wrote his tshuva, wrote a very long letter in which he says that we Jews have an obligation to fight and to push for a constitutional amendment in order to, for the, to allow there to be school prayer. And the reasons he lays out for that um, is the following. He says, first of all, there's a vast number of children in the public schools that don't receive, I'm now reading, public any other religious training or instruction in the morning, the majority of them not in the afternoon, many not even in Sunday school. We have to care about all the children that don't have any relationship to God or religion. So that seems to be similar to Rav Moshe, a more focus on the broader society as a whole. 
But when he then focuses in on it, his emphasis is totally in terms of the Jews. And he says, here are the reasons as a matter of halacha that we have to push for prayer in the public school. Number one, there's a mitzvah for Jews to pray. And by saying a, a simple prayer in the morning, you will fulfill the mitzvah. Number two, there's an idea to submit to the yoke of heaven. This is sort of Rav Moshe's point, to recognize our dependency on God. And that will fulfill by doing this prayer. Number three, he says, there is issues that we have to be expressing our belief in God, our reverence in God, and this prayer will sort of frame our, you know, help us frame our minds in this way. Um, so that's number three. So mitzvah to pray, mitzvah to accept the heavenly yoke, mitzvah to believe in God and to express our, our consciousness of God. Um, and he says, number four, he says that if you think that they're going to satisfy this in the home by not doing it in school, you're kidding yourself. And number five, the point he makes is that if you think that by doing it by rote or doing it every day, it'll become mechanical and rote, he says, it's certainly better than the alternative. And anyway, children are more sincere and more receptive than adults. And this really can cultivate religion. So we have those, we have the three major halachic reasons, prayer as a mitzvah, except in heavenly yoke. Number three, God consciousness, then dealing with critiques. Fourth mitzvah is, and this is very important, sanctifying and desecrating the divine name. And what Lubavitcher Rebbe says is whatever the specific issues are, the way this has been like lining up this issue is that it is the atheists and the secularists and the anti-religion, you know, people who are against religion that are against school prayer and the people who care about God and care about religion are for school prayer. And for somebody to take the other side of this and to say that it's better to not have prayer in the school, which again, we'll remember, is the position that the liberal Jewish movements took, that that is a position that, yes, we care about God and Judaism and so on, but that we are better to live in a society where religion is not part of the public sphere, because then we will always be second-class citizens. Christians will always be, you know, higher than Jews in that hierarchy, so it's better to completely remove religion from the public sphere. But, but the Lubavitcher Rebbe is not recognizing that argument, and he's saying, regardless, that's not the way it is being perceived of by people. And if you take the position against prayer in the public school, then you are saying that Jews are atheists and against religion, and that is a major problem of Chil HaShem. Um, and then finally, at point number seven, he gets to the point that we have a responsibility to non-Jews, and non-Jews should also be praying. So it's really quite uh, surprising um, to compare these two to vote, or these two letters, to one another. The, the, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, who is pushing for this, why not talk about the fact that this is something that is a mitzvah for all people, like Rav Moshe does? Why focus specifically on the Jewish population? And Rav Moshe, who is sort of taking more of a step back, why is he focusing sort of more broadly? Um, and I think maybe the, that question sort of answers itself. Because if you're trying to um, galvanize and the Jewish community or the firm Jewish community to fight for this, then you want to be saying, this is something like people are always more responsive to their own issues. This is something that you as Jews have to care for immediately because it affects your, whether your kids are going to be doing these mitzvot, it affects our fulfillment of halacha. It's also very nice for the larger society, but you know what? The immediate issues are what's affecting us and we need to be fighting for that. And that's what the Lubavitcher Rebbe emphasizes. Now, of course, 
Lubavitch does care about non-Jews. There's a whole major movement in Lubavitch around the Noahides and non-Jews and so on. But for a push for this type of action, he wants to focus on that. And I think Rav Moshe is choosing the opposite. He's really acknowledging the value and the religious importance of school prayer, but he is not honing in on what it means for Jews to be praying or not praying and to do saying the school prayer, because from a political stance, he feels that we do not want to be getting involved in these types of fights. We want to sort of step back, let other people fight this. It's not for from Jews to be th- have this type of involvement in politics. So quite fascinating different approaches. They really largely agree on the halachic issues. Um, but Rav Moshe frames a tshuva about do Jews, non-Jews, is there value of prayer for non-Jews? Whereas the Lubavitcher Rebbe has a letter about why we have to fight for school prayer and push for a constitutional amendment in order to allow us to do school prayer. And of course, Lubavitch, as we know in terms of the menorahs and other areas, has consistently pushed for bringing religion into the public sphere, that this will make America a more religious society. It's good for the Jews. It's good for America. Not concerned about the fact that Christians also will have that type of space. And, you know, many other Jews that are very happy, even religious Jews, to keep religion completely out of the public sphere. Thanks for listening to Igros Moshe A to Z with Rabbi Dove Linzer, now celebrating over 10,000 listens. This podcast is brought to you by Yeshivat Chovavei Torah and is a project of the Lindenbaum Center for Halachic Studies. With close to 150 rabbis in the field, YCT is leading and inspiring Klal Israel with a Torah that is nuanced, compassionate, and contemporary. Check out yctorah.org to learn more.